Welcome to the F-Stops Here podcast, hosted by The Portrait Paradigm. If you are a photographer who is striving to build a high-end portrait business that's not only financially rewarding, but satisfies your creative heart, then join five nationally recognized photographers with over 180 years of combined experience building and maintaining successful specialty portrait businesses. This is where we will have real conversations about all the elements to create your own upscale business from marketing, finances, mindset, photographic style, client experience, and so much more. So together, let's cut through the noise and make this your one stop for your complete portrait photography solutions. Let's build your new portrait paradigm right now. Welcome to the first episode of the F-Stops Here. And I can't think of a better way to start than recognizing and appreciating one of our listeners. Keith, he just left us a fabulous review. He said, it's great to hear the backstories of these artists. It's reassuring when these accomplished professionals share their beginnings and early struggles and challenges. Humble beginnings are inspirational for all of us. Well, thank you, Keith. We appreciate you and all of our listeners. And if you like what you're hearing, leave us a review too. And we might just give you a shout out on a future episode. We read and appreciate every review. I'm Rod Evans, along with Monica Sigmund, Michael Taylor, Bev and Tim Walden, your Portrait Paradigm hosts of the F-Stops Here podcast. This is part one of a five-part series on rising above the masses. This episode will focus on brand. And Tim, I know you have some great knowledge that you'd love to impart with us. Do you mind kicking this off? Yeah, this is so exciting, guys. I love this. And I, you know, I think photography is such an important topic. Lighting, posing, all those things are, are important. But I think there's a kind of a misgiving sometimes that if you become excellent at the technical side, which I strongly encourage you to do, but that by itself is going to create success. And the reality is it's not. Uh, I think people want to know who you are. What do you do? And I think defining a style that separates you from the masses is key to being successful. And I think it, for me, it kind of goes against the your human nature because you're like, you see all these people out doing all the same things and your goal is, well, I could do that or I can do that as well, or I can do it better. The question comes is, can, can the clients see that? Can they see those subtle differences? I think in many cases and in most cases they can't. So what do you do? I think for me, you create gaps. That's why I like to explain it is create gaps and those gaps should be as wide as possible between you and the masses. I think the first part of success, at least it was for for us, was going places the masses can't go and doing what they can't do and then defining that. I think too, as we talk about this topic, um, we can do a lot of things well, but are we gonna really be known when we do a lot of things for anything specifically? You know, it's the old uh, cliche, the jack of all trades. You might be really good at a lot of things and you think, well, that's going to also define me. But close your eyes and think about some of the artists that have changed your life. I mean, close your eyes and, and, and see the imagery of photographers and artists that, uh, that have touched you. And there's a distinction 
to their work. There's a uniqueness to it. One of the things that that I, I love to say is, and I know this, you kind of hear it all the way through, but uh, is to be less concerned that people like what you do and more concerned that they know what you do. Now, we'll, we'll never on this podcast give you an excuse for any kind of mediocrity. We're all going to rise up together. So we're not talking about that, but we're talking about a distinction in the look. Everybody on this podcast, I can... I can stop and I can see, you know, Michael Monica's work. I can see Bev's work. I can see Rado's work. And I can see the threads of the things in it that I envy, that I want to learn. But I don't want to mimic them. I don't want to go out and be you. I want you to influence who I am and raise me to a new level. But I want, but I want a distinction in what I do. So I think as we define our style, we need to say to ourselves is how is it unique? How is it different from what the masses do? And then we need to embrace that, take ownership of it. How do you message it? It's gonna be easier for you to be creative when you define a style because you're not trying to do everything. So now you can start finessing. And I've always kind of disagreed with the uh, break out of the box kind of thing. I think you just need to define the box where the box is your box, it's who you're who you are at your heart, and then began to push the boundaries of that box. And you do that through finessing. You do that through the subtleties, the uniqueness. Uh, the difference between good photographers and great photographers are not big things. They're little ones. Great photographers do an accumulation of little things extremely well. So who are you? And how is it different? Embrace that and begin to finesse those things and carry it out to the, to the public and you'll get better at messaging it. You'll get more people that recognize it. The people that don't like it, they won't come to you. That's okay. You don't need this is, everybody. This is why we don't like Tim to talk first. Because <laughs> no, nobody wants to follow that. It's oh, like no. it's like mic drop. Okay, and that was episode no. one. Like, and now yeah. we're out. Like, that's not. I always say I'm like, so. Tim, yeah. I always say like Tim has the like everything out of Tim's mouth is a soundbite that I could like print, like type it up, print it frame it, hang it over my desk and look at it every day. Like it's, it, yeah. and it's yep. been that way for 20 years. And it's I'm just, not, I'm it, not sure. But yes, I can live with it. So <laughs> that's why we usually let Tim go last. I knew this back in the nineties. And when we were at the Kodak booth at conventions, I would always make sure I scheduled myself before Tim. And, <laughs> not uh, true, not true. You know, for yeah. sure. But, 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 but these are the things that, that cause us to rise to the top. Yeah, there's absolutely. A, Michael yeah. Gerber is an as a author author. I can get that right. That I read a lot of his books. They're easy to read. If you're not a good reader, Michael Gerber writes "Selling the Invisible," "The Invisible Touch," "You," uh, just a lot of different books. But one of the very first things I read uh, years ago that that he wrote that you know how how you read some things and you can't remember the next day what you read, but then you read certain statements that are made and they stick with you and they become like a foundation for you to build on. One of the things he said that goes along with what you're talking about, about finding a, that's a style that's you creating a gap. He, he said, narrow your focus to broaden your appeal. That seems anti-logic like why wouldn't you do everything and be everything to everybody that is not the way to go I'm telling you if you try to be everything to everybody you become a nobody because you get lost in 
all of the stuff that you're doing. And like you say, Tim, you can't perfect any one thing because you're trying to do everything. And also I feel like it's um, that you're like a circus performer. You're jumping through hoops. Like I can do that. Oh, I can do that. I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. Where uh, nobody can find you. You get lost in, you know, there's so much white noise, you know, uh, like everything's coming at at us now from every direction, uh, from social media, television, just everything. So for somebody to find you, you need to rise above all that. Be the cream that rises to the top. Be the different. And and yes, it's uh, it, it feels wrong in a, in a little uh, sense. Well, it's scary. Scary because yeah. you're not doing what everybody else is doing. But I tell you that if you do what everybody else is doing, but you think your lighting is better, people don't see it. Your they can't clients discern the don't discern mm-hmm. the difference. Mm-hmm. You have to, and and also, I don't think it feeds the artist within. We all have that within us, a vision and as who we are, of who we are, of what our heart uh, says for us to do, what our minds and our vision is. We all have that within us. And if we don't feed that, but instead do something else because everybody else is doing it, it's cause, it causes burnout. I mean, we can't, we can't exist. We've been doing this for 43 years and we get up and go to work every day as passionate as we did the first day. We're so excited. We've run our children off. They don't want to be photographers. <laughs> they, they went a completely different direction into the medical profession because we are so excited about what we do and we talk about it all the time. We're just passionate. And you know, to be able to share in this group of other passionate photographers is a blessing for us. Yeah, you know, I think that that's so true because you know, if you really you know, when you really are doing great portraits, in some ways, it's a self-portrait, you know, because you're really, you're really reaching in and, and you're, you're touching the history that you have, your taste, uh, mm-hmm. obviously your style, um, the way that you're exploring things, um, your curiosity about that individual or that family or whatever in front of you. And, you know, it's so, you know, we'd learn probably by copying other uh, photographers or artists or whatever, but you know what is the joy of copying? You or know, being a mimic, right? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it always it's it, I'm always befuddled why people are so excited when they copy somebody else's work. Befuddled, you, you know, yeah. it just I'm shocked. You know, it's you know I'm like Tim was saying earlier that. Um, I'm always looking for the way to do things differently. You know, for some people are going to one side of the park, I'm going to go the other way. I don't care if the lighting's maybe a little worse there, but I'm going to find a place to make it work over there. Uh, I don't want the easy way out, but what joy is it to go to that same place you've gone to for two years by this one tree or this one wall or whatever it is, you know, do that different way, that different path. And that's, that's where the joy is. And, you know, and I think Bev and Tim are exactly right about having that clear message of what you do. I know um, when I started my studio in Pasadena, you know, decades ago, um, I was fortunate that I came out of that lineage of uh, Backrack, of Giddings, of Skipworth that did location portraits in the home. But for the first five years, everything I showed marketing wise to the Pasadena area was children's portraits. 
I didn't show family. I didn't show executive. I didn't show anything else because I wanted it to be a really clear vision, you know? So, you know, really hone what you're doing, make that, make that voice stand out. So, and like we're talking about, our styles are, are wonderful and there's depth to our images because it's a good reflection of us. It's like the truck that drives by, um, uh, you know, downtown, I see these trucks by, drive by and they say specializing in, and you can't even <laughs> read it. There's so many things they specialize in. It's everything, yeah. heating, plumbing, water, restoration, roofs, you know, basements. And you're like, what? Yeah. You can't specialize in all those things, you know? Right. And, but I right. tried when I started my business, the same thing. It's like, you've got a pet. A uh, cat, a lizard, uh, you know, a five-generation portrait, uh, you name it, weddings, Wedding, I'll, yeah. I'm there. You need me Sunday afternoon at 4.15, I'll do it, you know? And so, but how do you get out of that? You know what I mean? If you're there now, like I've been in the past, how do you move from that and out of that? So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how do you get from there to, to getting into just one thing? Because it does mm -hmm. take time and you can't yeah. just give up everything and all your clients at once, but you can definitely gradually move out of that. And um I know these these guys have showed me how to do it, so which I so appreciate so much. So, but there is it is um, you know I you know I think what we talk about about mimicking and copying and all that I think it's it's okay if it's to learn a technique or a, you know a lighting or something, but you have to own it. You know, so many times I would try to mimic or try or copy or something like that, but it never it never stuck. It never. It never so stayed. Boring. Uh, no. bored. Yeah, it just, it I, I would just do it. And then mm -hmm. it never felt like who I was. So I think it's so critical to find out who you are. Like, I mean, this is kind of a cliche, but it's really true. It's like, who is that inner child? Who is that person? When I look at a photographer's work, like I can look at Monica, Michael, Bevington. I can look at, I can look at anyone's work and I can tell you their heart. Mm -hmm. And as an artist, that's what you want to see. When you look at their work, you should, it should be a self-reflection of that person. And that's mm -hmm. why they're coming to you is because they're looking for an, your interpretation of who they are. And they like to see that. So when they see how you bring beauty out in your way, in your, you know, tech, you know, technique or whatever that you use to do that, um, that's what's going to draw them to you. So, and it there's will fulfill an, you as an artist at the same time. There's an authenticity, right? That's lost when we're just being a mimic. And I, I can speak from like firsthand experience because I've done it where I've gone to a convention and I've been like, oh my God, that work is amazing. And that's what I'm going to do. And, um, and, and I could master it or get close to it probably, but, um, but I was so bored instantly and, and we're, we're always more excited and energetic about things that we are authentically, um, you know, in the sales room or talking to our clients about something that we're excited to create, you know? And so I think that that's an important piece too. Like our clients need to see that creative energy and excitement. And then the other thing I just wanted to mention, going back to what Tim said at the beginning, you know, we found when we would like for almost 20 years, we built our reputation on location portraits, location family portraits, end of the day, gorgeous, warm lighting, backlit, you know, um, 
kind of conversational portraits. And, and that's what people came to us for. But what we found was that so many people were doing outdoor portraits. Like you said, Tim, we got lost in that noise and we made the mistake of thinking, but our portraits are technically better. And the, the yes. um, family members are more flattering, flatteringly posed more flatteringly. They look better. Um, they look better. They, they look, look better. better. Um, we know what so, you mean. Yeah, yeah. So we, we kind of planted our, like dug our heels in and said, well, everybody's doing location, but our work is better. So therefore it's still okay. But what we learned was we're lucky if the average bear can like see the difference between good and bad much less good and great. And so when yeah. we changed, um, when we added our studio portrait line four years ago, it was, it was nothing that anybody had seen. And that's what differentiated us. And we still do location work, but it just changed. Um, it changed their perception of us. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is when the potential marketplace, when your potential clients cannot discern a difference between you and another brand or photographer or whatever, guess what they're going to compare you in price and location price and location price. Yeah. right price so i don't want to be compared on price because if you're choosing sigmund taylor based on price if you're choosing a photographer based on price sigmund taylor will lose every time so will yeah. evans so will the waldens so i don't want to be compared on price i want to be compared on art that they can't get someplace else perfect Yep. That is such a great statement and a great way to kind of wrap this up. And that is perfect. That's exactly what we're talking about. There is so much to delve into this topic. This is just the beginning of where we're going to be. We're going to call this part A, and it may go to part Z and then rewind again. Who knows? <laughs> but there is a lot to unravel here, double guys. A, it's so double B. much. Yeah. It's so great. Um, and it's fun for us to listen to each other's stories as much as we know each mm -hmm. other. This yeah. is helping even us get insights to each other's stories and our backgrounds. And so we're learning as much as you guys are. So thank you for joining us on this podcast today. From all of us here at The Portrait Paradigm, thank you for being with us on this episode of the F Stops Here podcast. We will be broadcasting weekly early on Wednesday mornings. And make sure to favorite us on your preferred podcast platform. And of course, check out our website for more information and resources at theportraitparadigm.com. When you're at our site, feel free to send us questions. Maybe your question or topic will be featured on a future episode. Next week, we'll be discussing Rising Above the Masses, Part 2. Until next time, be ever open to shifting your portrait paradigm.